Uh, well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and some of us will be pretending like we like the game uh, this evening. Uh, will be, I'll be one of those. Um, actually, I won't even be pretending. I'm just going to be like, I'm here for the, the food, right? Um, so whether you're uh, into the game or not, happy Super Bowl Sunday to you. Uh, you'll see some jerseys around, possibly, in our kids' ministry. It is uh, Super Cereal Bowl Sunday, um, so they've got some awesome cereal snacks back there. Uh, I would have really liked that when I was a kid, because in our home, um, there was no sugar allowed in your cereal, um, and I believe we allow that here. Um, so I would have been—I know I would have been super excited. So, uh, and either way, we're uh, we're just glad that you're here today. Uh, again, my name is David. I serve as one of the pastors here, and today we're getting into a new series that we're calling uh, "Let's Stop Pretending." We're going to be talking about relationships. All of us deal with relationships every single day, and some of them are really great, and some of them, well, let's just say they're less than great, right? And what we're going to be talking about in this series is what makes those great relationships so good and how can we deal with those other relationships that, if we're honest, we kind of wish that we maybe didn't have to. What if I told you that there's one thing that all good relationships have in common? Whether it's marriage, whether it's your kids, whether it's your parents, uh, whether it's just friendships, whether it's a dating relationship, that there's one thing that's foundational to any good relationship. Today we're going to be talking about what I really believe is the biblical secret to make your relationships better, better. And, and then we're going to apply that to a couple specific uh, types of relationships. And to get there, we need to go to Romans chapter 12. And so I'd encourage you to turn there with me if you have, have a Bible. Uh, if you don't have a copy of uh, uh, the God's Word, we'd be happy to give you one uh, back at our Welcome Center for free so that you have one. But uh, in Romans, Paul has just for 11 chapters uh, expounded on some very, very rich theology. And and then in chapter 12, he kind of takes a turn and says, okay, here's what this means for your everyday life. Let's make this really, really practical for how you should be living. And in that, he gets into the web of relationships. And here's what he says in verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And so those two verses are really going to be the foundation for actually this entire series. Because uh, Paul lays out for us something that is so important here. And he begins by telling us uh, to stop pretending. To stop being someone who says that they love others. And making this outward show of it when there's nothing actually behind that. He says instead, love others from the heart. He kind of cuts through the fog of niceties and pretending, and he says, show genuine love for other people. And I think this is a timely word for us. I think our world around us is really good at pretending. I think we've actually become masters of deception with our social media personas that are so far removed from who we actually are in real Life. And this isn't just a problem out there. I think this can actually be a big problem in our churches, maybe even more of a problem. Where we come in here and we pretend like we love other people, we pretend like we have it together. We can tempt to be tempted to put on this like good church image for other people to see when in reality there's anger, there's bitterness. There's jealousy between us and people we're sitting right next to, and we're tempted to just kind of paint a smile over that. And Paul cuts through all of that, and he says, stop pretending. You're not fooling God, and you're probably not fooling the people around you either. 
He says, instead, love people from the heart with genuine affection, not fake niceties, but real care, real love, real attention for others. And then, Paul gives us something that's really important for any good relationship. In fact, it's so key, it's so foundational that no good relationship can exist without it. Verse 10, he says, to take delight in honoring each other. And that's it. That's the biblical secret. The one thing that every good relationship has in common is honor. Every good relationship you've ever had in your life, it involved honor. Every relationship that's healthy, that's good, that's thriving, it's based on honor. Every relationship that you've ever seen and thought to yourself, you know, I wish my marriage looked like that. I wish my kids treated me that way. I wish I treated my kids that way. I wish my boyfriend or my girlfriend treated me like they do. Anytime you've ever seen that and thought that, I guarantee you, honor was at the base of that relationship. If you remove honor from your relationships, it it destroys them. When you begin to infuse honor into them, everything changes for the better. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like all of your relationships are falling apart. Like nothing good is happening. And can I suggest this morning that you are the common denominator in all of your relationships. And maybe, perhaps, I don't know your story, but maybe the reason things aren't working out is that you've not learned to honor other people. You're probably pretty good at honoring yourself. We're all good at that, right? That, that's the easy thing to do. But to treat other people like they have dignity and value and worth. Now, I think honor is, maybe it's not a word we use as much in our culture today. I think as we think about it, I think sometimes we think honor just applies to like maybe those in authority, we're supposed to honor them, uh, and maybe those who've made a great sacrifice, like those in the military. And while I don't want to uh, diminish that at all, what I want to say is that those aren't the only kinds of relationships where honor needs to be present. To honor someone means to show reverence respect. It carries the idea of praise or congratulations for a job that was well done. And the Greek word that Paul uses carries the idea of value. It can be translated as price and or even money. And so to honor someone means to treat them as if they're valuable, as if they matter, as if they have inherent worth and dignity simply because they are a human being. They're worthy of respect. And notice that he tells us that we need to honor people. There's no restrictions, there's no limits, there's no qualifiers. He doesn't say to honor those who are worthy of honor. He doesn't say to honor those who deserve it, although that's true too. He says to take delight in honoring each other. And I think this kind of rubs against our natural tendencies because we want to wait until someone's proved themselves worthy of it, right? We want to honor the people that we really like, mostly ourselves, right? But we want to honor those who we really like. But Paul is saying simply to honor Others. We don't wait till they deserve it. We don't make them prove their worth. Our default posture towards other people is to be honor, always. Even those we don't like. Even those we disagree with. Even those we think deserve punishment because they've done something wrong. Even those we consider to be our enemies, we are told to honor them. See, the reality is every human being deserves honor because they are made in the image of of God. Psalm 139.14 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made made each person with intention, with wonder. We're not an accident. We are not an afterthought. And so every person bears God's fingerprints. He made them. He loves them. And he says they are valuable. Every single person. All people 
have inherent value and worth and dignity because they bear the marks of the creator. Have you noticed that you tend to treat things differently when you value them, right? Like when you have a car that you really like, you tend to treat it nicely, don't you? You, don't, you t- uh, try not to eat in it. Yeah, you t- t- tend to drive it and park it a certain way. Uh, you tend not to want to let certain individuals into your vehicle because you know how they treat things. Um, they're going to get some mud on your seat or whatever it might be. But when you have a, a beater car that you just don't care about, you're eating your McDonald's french fries in there. You don't care. Uh, you're driving maybe a little bit differently because if you crash into something, it's like, well, that'd be unfortunate, but this car is junk anyway. If it starts to make a funny noise and you're like, you know, I'm not even going to take it to the mechanic because I just don't care, right? Because you don't value it that much, so you treat it differently. I've seen this play out uh, in the last year in Joanna and I's relationship with our cat. Um, we have a cat. Her name is Luna. She's a black cat that we got from a friend about a year ago. And I am fine with cats. I even like cats. Like, they're, they're fine animals. They're fun. They can be cute. They can do some things that are pretty funny. Um, but Joanna, on the other hand, Joanna loves cats. Um, She's wanted a cat since before we got married, and we were finally able to uh, at the apartment that we live in now. And so Joanna just loves treating Luna like her little princess, right? She values her differently, so she treats her differently. Now, when uh, Luna wants to go outside, I'm happy to just, you know, open the door for her and let her go out, but I'm not going to stand there all day as she makes up her mind about whether she actually wants to go outside, like, this morning, I open the door, and she decides she's just going to, like, stand right between the door and the door frame. And I'm like, bro, like, move. Like, get outside. We're not standing here all day long. Joanna, on the other hand, seems perfectly content to stand there all day long as this cat makes up her little mind. It might be because she's a little bit more patient than I am. But she also is because she values this cat differently than I do. When she's walking around the house and wants to be underfoot and right in your way, uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid her. I'm not going to, like, step on her. But if I, like, push her out of the way with my leg, I'm not going to complain about that. She needs to learn to not be underfoot. Joanna, on the other hand, she's going to stop. She's going to move out of her way. Or she's going to just stop and pet the cat, right? That, which is what Luna ultimately wants. Anyway, she treats her differently because she values her differently. And we might get annoyed with each other and argue maybe a little bit about how we should be treating this cat. But at the end of the day... We treat her differently because we value her differently in church. When we value people, we're going to treat them differently. We're going to honor them. We're going to work to let them have the first choice, to cater to their preferences, to consider their opinions and needs and their wants. When we value them, we will treat them differently. The one good thing that every relationship has in common is honor. So what I want to do now is I want to apply that to a couple different types of relationships. In, in two weeks, we're going to come back to the marriage relationship and uh, what that looks like there. But for today, we're going to talk about uh, uh, those who are single, those who are dating, and parents and children and that kind of relationship. And so if you've been around church at all, you probably know that the Bible would call uh, children to honor their parents, to honor their guardians, to honor those in authority over them. Honor as a child looks like obedience, looks like listening the first time. It looks like not treating your parents with resentment and callousness. And so teenagers, this would look like not rolling your eyes at your parents when they are telling you something. This would not look like not treating them like they are the lamest person on planet earth, even though it may feel that way to you in the moment. God says that your parents are actually valuable, that he made them in his image, and so how can you treat them as such. Parents and guardians, what would it look like for you to honor your children? Not just to provide for, to protect, and tell them what to do, 
but to treat them as if they actually matter, if they have dignity and worth. I've not gotten there yet. My, my son is only three months old, so I'm in the very fun and easy stage, I feel like, in some ways. In other ways, it's a very hard stage. But um, I've not gotten there yet, but I, I can imagine that this gets more and more difficult as the years go by. Like, who doesn't love a cute baby, right? Like, everyone's just like, all the time, I think our friends are now friends with us because of our son, not because of us, right? Everybody just wants to see Solomon. That's just kind of, everybody loves a cute baby, but when they get to the terrible twos, when they become a three-nager, when they uh, choose to defy you just because they can, when they choose to say things just to make you mad, when they treat you like you're the prison warden that they're desperately trying to escape, it can get on your nerves. And in those moments, in the middle of that, God calls us to honor our children. And honoring our children looks like responding to their bad attitudes with kindness, even as we correct them, even as we discipline them. It looks like disciplining them out of love and not out of anger. It looks like finding ways to spend time with them and have fun with them and do things that they would enjoy, not just things that we like to do, but things that they would enjoy doing. Because when we value something, we're going to give up other things to have it, right? And so you, do you value your children enough to spend time with them even when it's hard, even when it might mean you lose a little bit of sleep, even when it might mean you might not have time to watch the game, are you going to choose your children over yourself? Kids ministry this month, they're actually talking about kindness, which I think fits really, really well with our series on relationships. And one good way that you could honor your children this month and really any month is to ask them what they're learning uh, in kids ministry and say, hey, how can I help you actually apply that to your life? How about those who are single or single again or divorced or widowed? How could you treat others with honor? Well, you could treat your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your friends, anyone you might be interested in dating, you could treat them as if they value, as if they matter. Instead of getting caught up in our world's hookup culture that's only out to get pleasure for yourself, to find that perfect fit for you that's all about you, say, how can I, how can I honor others? How can I treat them as if they matter? Instead of making your friendships all about you, you can seek to serve your friends, to spend time with them on their terms, doing what they want to do and not just making it all about you all the time. Now, I do want to say here that singleness has not always been handled really well by some Christians and some churches. Some seem to think or even blatantly say uh, that singleness is this thing you have to suffer through. It's a lesser condition. It's a worse option, um, and you have to suffer through it until you're married. And I want to step into that space and say that the Bible does not teach that. It does teach that marriage is a great thing. It's a good gift from God, but so is singleness. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 makes a pretty strong argument for why he thinks it's better to be single and to be a follower of Jesus. You are not less than simply because you do not have a partner. You're not a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God because you are single. God values you, and he loves you right where you are, and you do not need some other person to make you complete. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're already complete in him. You don't need somebody else. You may be single and wanting to be, or you might be single and desperately not wanting to be. But either way, God has called you to this season, and he's not waiting for you to get married in order to use you, and he's not get, waiting till you get married in order to work in your life. Life is now. It's my encouragement to you to, be, to focus on living for Jesus. Let that be your focus and treat the people around you with honor. 
about those in a dating relationship or those that are engaged? What would, it, what would it look like to honor each other in that type of relationship? Well, first, I think it looks like showing genuine appreciation for them. And I don't just mean romantic gifts every now and then. I mean the little things like saying thank you, like paying compliments, like paying compliments to them when they're not even around, talking about them highly. Secondly, it looks like showing respect, respect for their boundaries, their weaknesses, their insecurities, their fears. We honor our boyfriend or our girlfriend by doing what makes them comfortable and avoiding what makes them uncomfortable, by not making fun of them for what they're afraid of or insecure about. And listen, I'm all for sarcasm and some good humor, but if it makes them uncomfortable, it is not okay. They are not the problem. They don't need to toughen up. You need to learn to respect their boundaries, respect their insecurities, to respect their fears, to treat them as if they matter. If they don't feel emotionally safe with you, able to freely share things without fear of the repercussions, it's probably because you are not honoring them. And third, I think it looks like praising them. Talking highly of them when they're around and probably even more important when they're not around. Listen, guys, it is not honoring when you're hanging out with the boys to uh, talk about all the ways that uh, your, girl, your girlfriend you don't like, there are things that she does that you don't like, even if you're just kidding. We know what that means, right? Ladies, the same would be true when you're uh, hanging out with your friends, just complain about your boyfriend and talk about all the things he does that annoy you, talk about him in a demeaning manner. That's not honoring. Honoring is talking well of them in their presence and probably more importantly, in their absence when they're not even around and it, the word won't even get back to them possibly. And by the way, I think these transfer to any good relationship, right? We, we honor our friends, our spouses, our kids, if we appreciate, if we respect, if we praise them. That's how we can honor people. And if you're in a dating relationship where you are not being honored, I, I'd ask you to not be deceived into thinking that's gonna somehow magically change when you get married. How they treat you now is a pretty good indication of how they're going to treat you when you're married. And so I would ask you not to settle for anything less than uh, someone who's going to treat you as God says you should be treated. Not just someone who doesn't, uh, doesn't beat you or yell at you or cheat on you, but someone who actually treats you as if you matter, as if you have worth. And I promise that you will regret being with someone who doesn't honor you. Because every single good relationship, the thing that has in common is honor. So what, what would it look like to live in light of this this week? I want to give you some hopefully very practical things that I hope will help you no matter what kind of relationship you're thinking about, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, uh, will help you honor some other people in your life. And so the first is that you could take the five love languages quiz and talk about it with your kids your parents, with your friends, your boyfriend, whatever relationship it might be. This is a, a quiz and a ministry that was, at least I think, originally designed for marriage. And so most people, when they th hear that five love languages thing, they think about a marriage relationship. And it certainly applies to that. But they've actually uh, made resources for singles, for uh, families. So no matter what kind of uh, relationship you're in, this is a quiz that will help you know how you give and how you receive love best. Because we can try and show love, we can try and show honor all day long, but if we're not speaking their language, it's probably not going to work very well. The more we know people, the better we can honor them, getting to know their personalities, their likes, their dislikes, how they show and receive love. 
we have some personality uh, stuff that we do as a staff, as a church staff, and it's uh, helped me not only know myself better, uh, but be able to show honor to other people by understanding how God has uniquely wired them. The more we know that, the better we can honor them. And so you could take this quiz. Um, you, if you just search five love languages quiz, it'll come right up. That's a very helpful resource. Secondly, you can show up on time and follow through on commitments. We honor other people when we keep our word, and not just appointments and work meetings, but get together with family and friends and things we've said we'd do for our family. When we follow through on those things, we're showing them honor. We're treating them as if they matter. Third, you could put down your phone and be present with whoever you're with, fully engage with them instead of being distracted by some device. And I've been really convicted about this recently with my son. Uh, I get home from work, and uh, he's in this stage where he just loves eye contact. Um, you can be there in the room with him, and he's fine, he's happy, but as soon as you start actually like looking in his eyeballs, his face lights up, and he starts wiggling around, he just gets so excited, and then he'll start talking to you and babbling at you and just having a grand old time. But with the work I can do on my phone, with the time I can just waste on my phone, it is tempting to just sit there and hold him while I'm on my phone to sit with him on the floor and be on my phone and be distracted and not be fully engaged and present with him. Even though his little face is way more entertaining, it's way more fun, it can still be tempting in those moments not to be fully present and fully engaged. And I want to honor my son and I want to honor my wife and I want to be fully present. And so what we can do is we can find ways to make sure we're not distracted by these devices that are so helpful. I'm not trying to bash phones. They can also be unhelpful in other ways. Fourth, you can ask for input of others and truly listen and consider it, even if you are their subordinate, even if you're the one who's in authority, even if you're the parent, even if you're the boss. Seek input from other people because that shows that you value them and actually listen to it. That doesn't mean you do what they say necessarily, but actually listen and consider. Fifth, when you mess up, own it completely and apologize. We honor other people when we own our mistakes, when we don't try and point to, well, you did this, and so that's why I would, no, no, no. Well, you didn't understand what I meant, no. When we totally own what we've done wrong, how we treated them poorly, and we apologize for it, we honor them, we show that they matter to us. And finally, we can stop and ask ourselves, how can I honor this person with my words, with my actions, and with my Reactions. What would it look like for me to honor this person in this moment? I think we could be here all week talking about what would it look like to honor people in each of our relationships, but I think we know honor when we see it, and I think we know when we, when we fail to honor others. So I think if we can stop ourselves and ask this question, I think that will help us in our relationships. And so maybe this week it's as simple as setting a reminder on your phone every morning that says, how can I honor the people in my world today? How can I honor my wife? How can I honor my kids? How can I honor that boss that just makes me so annoyed? How can I show up today and honor them anyway? The one thing that all good relationships have in common is honor. If we want better relationships, if we want more joy and more happiness in our relationships, we need to learn to honor one another. Now next week, we're going to be getting into conflict. How can we honor other people when we want to do anything but honor them? 
How can we honor other people who make us mad and who we just want to throw something at? And so I'd encourage you to join us next week as we look at how God calls us to handle conflict in our relationships and how there truly is a better way out. And I'll give you a little hint. It is founded in honor. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is it's so practical, and it gives us help in uh, our everyday relationships, the things that we live in every single day. It's not removed from our life. It's not just some uh, theological textbook. It's a, it's a book that tells us how to live, and when we follow it, it actually makes our life better. Father, thank you for being a God who honored us when we did not deserve it, when we were far from you, when we hated you, when we were deserving of not honor, for sure, you pursued us. You sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins so that we could actually have a restored relationship with you. And then you showed us what honor looks like. In the person of Jesus, in your word, you've showed us what it means to honor other people. And God, I pray that we would be a people who follow you in that who honor those around us, who realize that every single human being we've ever come across is made in your image. You love them, and you value them, and we should too. Father, I pray that we would be a people of honor. Thank you so much for Jesus and for what he's done for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.